The Holy Gospel this morning comes from St. Matthew, the fifth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The Gospel of our Lord. Dear hearers of the word of God, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. I want to start this All Saints Sunday by reading to you Luther's 27th thesis of the 95 Theses. They preach only human doctrines who say that as soon as the money clinks in the money chest, the soul flies out of purgatory. And again, from the Gospel of Matthew. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Church tradition has it that this first weekend in November is recognized as All Saints Sunday. Additionally, this weekend, we are wrapping up our series focusing on our Lutheran heritage, particularly the insights that we gain from Martin Luther's theology and his work. Interestingly enough, there is a very strong connection between these two things. You may remember that Luther posted his 95 Theses on the eve of All Saints Day, what we now know as Halloween. And the significance of All Saints Day 500 years ago is the same for what it is for us today. We use the day to remember those in our families and communities who have died. And today, much like 500 years ago, if you want to get someone's attention, start talking about death. And not just anyone's death, but especially the death of a loved one. It's fair to say that Luther's 95 Theses were addressing this topic, and Luther himself recounted that it received a great deal of attention. But I'm certain that Luther didn't post it on Halloween to generate publicity for publicity's sake. Rather, as he would say later, he thought that the other priests, including the Pope himself, would recognize that the current practices of indulgences were not comforting people who had lost a loved one. Rather, they were actually doing the opposite. They were troubling people's hearts. So. What was at stake for Luther, and how does it relate to All Saints Day? Well, it's fairly straightforward. P 
People were concerned and are still concerned about what happens, what's the fate of their loved ones after death. This is evident in what Luther wrote in the 27th Thesis of the 95 Theses. They preach only human doctrines who say that as soon as the money clinks into the money chest, the soul flies out of purgatory. Instinctively, you can probably get a sense that there's something corrupt here, or as the old adage says, there's something rotten in Denmark. All you need to do is throw a few coins in the offering plate or the noisy offering can, and all of a sudden, the loved one goes from sinner to saint. All of a sudden, they're released from purgatory into heaven. Of course, that seems corrupt. It's rather offensive to think that you can buy your way into heaven, pay enough money to avoid the penalty of your sin. But if you stop and think about it, such a scheme works only because people were already taught to think this way. The only difference is, prior to the indulgences, the system wasn't requiring cold hard cash. Instead, you just needed spiritual exercises. You needed to participate in religious ceremonies or a religious community. You needed to deny yourself earthly pleasures by becoming a monk or a nun. Or you needed to fast or say certain number of prayers or attend church on a daily basis. The mentality is simple. They think God works as a judge like our court system. The general concept is you get what you deserve. God plays fair. And so, if you sin a lot, you pay a lot. If you pay a lot, you reduce the penalty of your sin. Now what I want you to do this morning is listen to verse 6 of today's gospel lesson with that sort of mindset. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. If God works like our court system or like the local banker, giving you what you deserve, then this beatitude sounds something like this. Blessed are you who are advocating for fairness in the world. Blessed are those who want to balance the scales of justice, who advocate for the idea that people get what they deserve. An eye for an eye, so to speak. You steal, then you deserve an equal penalty. You commit murder, then you deserve the punishment of death. God is fair and gives people what they deserve. Now, Let's step back and listen to more of the Beatitudes with this sort of mindset. The idea that God plays fair, gives you what you deserve. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. When you're under the impression that God gives you what you deserve, that is to say, God plays fair, then these beatitudes can weigh rather heavily on a conscience. In order to get to heaven, inherit the kingdom of God, then you have to be poor in spirit, that is to say, depressed. You need to be meek, that is to say, you can't celebrate success. You need to 
have a pure heart, which means you can never be angry with someone. Or you have to advocate for peace, which means you can't go off to war or file a lawsuit. Do we have any saints in the crowd? That question actually persists in our lives today, believe it or not. That way of thinking is still rather prevalent in Christians, more specifically among some Lutherans who identify themselves as Lutheran. People work under the mentality that God gives people what they deserve. And so they need to do somehow be righteous according to the law, balance those scales of justice in order to be seen as a saint. This is why people issue social statements, make land acknowledgments, advocate for reparations, promote diversity, equity, inclusion, and decide to do advocacy in legislative bodies. It was on the eve of All Saints Day that Luther was actually struggling with this very same concept. And specifically, he was tortured by the language of righteousness echoed in the fourth beatitude of today's gospel in the sixth verse. Let me read it to you again. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now, let me read to you what was on Luther's heart the night that he posted the 95 Theses on the Wittenberg church door. This is what he wrote. Though I lived as a monk without reproach, I felt I was a sinner before God with an extremely disturbed conscience. I could not believe that God could be bought off. I did not love God. I actually hated the righteousness of God who punishes sinners. I was angry with God as he added pain to pain by the gospel and also by the gospel threatening us with righteousness and wrath. You see, Luther was better than any of us at social justice causes. He would have been a master at equity, diversity, and inclusion. He was there to make sure people wanted to be treated fairly. He would have marched on the streets for fair treatment of everyone. And yet Luther knew that this wasn't even coming close to paying off God and making him a saint. In fact, such activity, Luther said, increased his pride and thus his sin. Now listen next to what happened to Luther. Nevertheless, I beat importunately upon Scripture. At last, by the mercy of God, meditating day and night, I gave heed to the context of the words, namely, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed as it is written, he who through faith is righteous shall live. There I began to understand that the righteousness of God is that by which the righteous live by a gift from God, namely by faith. Here I felt altogether born again, and I had entered the gates of paradise. 
Did you hear what just happened? All of a sudden, in his study, Luther found himself in the company of saints. And what caused that to happen? He realized that the one becomes a saint not because of what one does, not because you advocate for justice, but because God gives you something, his righteousness. So now, let's return to the gospel and read the Beatitudes again in this light. And as we said before, Luther was taught that to get a blessing, you need to, to do something. You had to do something to become a saint. But that isn't at all what Jesus is saying in today's Beatitudes. When he says he gives blessed, when he starts by saying blessed, he's using a Greek word, makarios. And the English translation for this Greek word actually doesn't quite do it justice. It's not quite rich enough. Because the fullness of the word means that you are blessed because God promises to extend his benefits to you. God is going to give himself to the blessed. So when Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who are meek, he is setting forth something that you don't need to achieve in order to get God's blessing. You don't need to do something to become a saint. Rather, in the midst of being poor, mourning, poor in spirit, struggling with sin and death, God is going to come and be present to you give himself to you. He is going to favor you. Let me explain this a little by telling you what I used to do as a parish pastor when I was in the parish and doing pre-baptismal visits. I'd go to the home and I'd bring with me a hymnal and I'd go into the house and we'd sit down, we'd start to visit about what baptism was going to be like. And then I would ask the parents, could I hold the baby while you hold the hymnal and I explain to you what we're going to do? So I'd have the baby, and I'd be rocking the baby in my arms, and I'd say, please open up the hymnal, and I'm going to tell you what it is we're going to say. And so they'd open up the hymnal, and I'd say, okay, these are the first words when we're standing up the font. I'm going to say this. In holy baptism, our gracious Heavenly Father liberates us from sin and death by joining us to the death. And I'd stop right there. And I'd say, do you realize what we're promising this baby? We're promising this baby death. And as I said before, if you ever want to get someone's attention, talk about death, and especially the death of a loved one. And I suppose you could, I could have continued with the litany, and I could have gone down what the Beatitudes say today. This child will also experience being poor in spirit. They will experience being made meek. They will experience wars, trials, and tribulations. And of course, they will experience death. So I'd ask the parents, do you want to continue? Let me start again from the beginning. In holy baptism, our gracious Heavenly Father liberates us from sin and death by joining us to the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you just hear the flip? Our Lord promises that in the midst of trials, sin, and struggles with the devil, 
He is going to bring his blessing into our lives. His word will be mercy and new life. God is going to give us righteousness and peace, not expect us to make a resurrection out of these things. God is going to carry and sustain those who are meek, mourning, struggle in this old world. You will receive the kingdom of heaven to be comforted, inherit the earth, to be filled, to receive mercy, to see God, and to be called a child of God. Remember when I asked you a few moments ago, are there any saints in this crowd? The answer is yes, there are. Because you, sitting here right now, have received God's benefits, his word of blessing. You have received that in your baptism. You received it when we heard the absolution. You receive it when you take his body and blood for the forgiveness of sin and put it in your mouth. And the beautiful thing is, God isn't giving you what you earned or deserve. He isn't being bought off, so to speak. Rather, he's giving his saints mercy. In your time of need, in your time of mourning, in your time of suffering, he is making you a saint. This is exactly what Luther discovered when he said the gates of paradise had been opened wide to him. And this is what we, as Lutherans, cling to and promote. Believing in these promises makes you and those who have gone before you a saint. Thanks be to God. Amen.